What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. Welcome to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we have a terrific guest with us today. He went from living in poverty in India and collecting and selling cow dung to ringing the opening bell at NASDAQ. Welcome, Andrew Samuel. Thank you, Steve. Oh, man, are we excited to have you. And and before we get started today, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Andrew. He serves as the chairman, CEO, and director of Link Bank Corp, Inc., and also Link Bank, and has a long track record of industry success. He's helped take banks from insignificant to really being listed on the NASDAQ global market and has been involved in the mergers and acquisitions of more than 10 companies with an aggregate deal value surpassing $1.5 billion. (laughs) And Andrew has shaped workplaces that are listed as the best to work at in their region, created cultures centered around servant leadership. Andrew lives in the central Pennsylvania area with his wife of 36 years, and they're blessed with five daughters, four sons-in-laws, and 12 grandchildren. Way to go, Andrew. Thank you, Steve. Well, that's quite a bit of an experience. And and to get us rolling, Andrew, tell us about your background, including turning points in your life that's had a significant impact on you, what you're doing today, on your experiences. And uh, yeah, what's your story? This is so fun of a background. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, Steve, you know, I'll try to condense that a little bit. You know, I'm, I was actually born in India, uh, right on the foothills of the Himalayas in the northern part of India. Spent my first six years there. You know, I have three sisters. My dad was a military man and was gone for probably 11 months out of the year. He fought in two wars with Pakistan. So my mom uh, was really uh, raised us on her own with her brothers and her sisters. We 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 lived in a what I would consider more of an extended family environment. So, you know, I lived with all my cousins and my uncles and aunts. We all lived together. You know, we uh, we had a 14 by 14 room in which 16 of us slept, lived, cooked. Everything was there. And, you know, we didn't have indoor plumbing of any form. So every morning, you know, my aunts and uncles would have to go fight at the well for water. And, but, you know, it was a very, very happy time for us. And I learned a lot during those years. You know, when, when you don't have much, uh, there's a level of desire and persistence that evolves. And I'm very fortunate that, you know, I was able to develop some of those things. One of the things that I learned at a young age at that time was, you know, the spirit of entrepreneurialism was alive in our extended family. I mean, my uncles and aunts and cousins and all, we would actually collect cow dung and actually sell them to neighbors and other families. 
in the form of dung patties, which really burn well. So we sold those. We also sold a fresh cow dung to other families because when I was growing up, the choices were you either had a dirt floor or a cow dung covered floor. And the cow dung floor was better because it sealed the dust. And a lot of our neighbors, you know, sought it too. So so we learned very early to be resourceful, you know, and my father was fortunate that when he retired from the Indian Army in 1969, he was one of the few people that was recruited to Zambia, Africa, to be a defense specialist to help organize the Zambia National Defense Force. Zambia had just gotten its independence from the British and wanted soldiers from a neutral country to help establish their defense forces. So we moved from the subcontinent of India to the continent of Africa, never having left India. At those times, we didn't have TVs. or So I hadn't really experienced anything outside of my small village that I lived in. But we moved to Zambia, and uh, things got a little better. My dad made a little bit more money. But, you know, in the social scheme of things, we were still, you know, on the lower spectrum of resources. I spent about 11 years in Zambia, graduated from there, and I was fortunate that I was able to get to a small Christian college called Messiah College in central Pennsylvania that I came as a freshman to. And when I came, you know, I had some interesting experiences, you know, not having used the silverware was one of the first experiences to sit in a cafeteria and not sure what to do because I was so used to eating with my fingers, and now I had to transition to using the silverware, <laughs> and I did it by mimicking people. Yeah. <laughs> so, But uh, college was a great experience. One of the biggest things was, you know, I met my wife 40 years ago in college. I was a freshman, and as you mentioned earlier, we've been married 36 years. So that was a significant event, meeting my wife there. One of the things I really learned while I was in college was just you know, that my background of being Indian, having lived in Africa, coming here served really well because I was very adaptable and very social and learned a lot in that educational environment. But one of the biggest things that I learned there was just people are different. And I quickly began to realize that one of the things that I really enjoyed using my background was the ability to engage people and influence their lives in a positive way. And so as I was coming out of college, that was kind of the purpose that I had in my mind was to really have influence on people's lives. I just didn't know how I would do that. You know, I ended up starting my career in banking and I, and I applied that whole concept of influencing people's lives positively. And so everywhere I was, that was my goal which kind of led to opportunities. And I was fortunate that, you know, over my career, I've probably been president or CEO of half a dozen companies. And it's interesting that all of those companies, their mission statement was always very simple, to positively impact people's lives. And we carried that. And that that mission has really helped us grow companies at a much faster level than uh, most companies. And that has led to a lot of investor interest and leading to taking a couple of companies public during that time. So it's been a a remarkable career, you know, humbled by the opportunities, especially if I were to summarize it. You know, it's a skinny, poor little kid from India coming to America and being able to do 
whatever he set his mind on. And that's why the book's called Our, Our American Dream, because in our nation here, you can do anything you want as long as you put your mind to it and are committed to it and are willing to make the sacrifices to be successful in doing it, you know. So so that's a little bit. I know I covered a lot very quickly, but I'm sure you might have some specific questions there. Oh, that was wonderful. And Andrew, yeah. thanks yeah. for taking a few minutes on that background. Did you live in Lusaka? Yes, we lived in Endola, which is the capital of the northern region. And we lived in Lusaka, the capital of Zambia. Yes. Got it. Oh, that's so, great. Well, it's yeah. a very interesting con- country. We had the beautiful right. people and we had the opportunity to visit there not long ago and uh, did a training mm-hmm. and in, in that country and then visited Victoria right. Falls, which is so beautiful. Absolutely. You know, one of the natural wonders of the world, you know, so. Yep. How true. And then going mm-hmm. back to the description of living with your cousins, your uncles and your aunts and all of those people in that room, multi-purpose room. And I loved your comment that you said, and we were happy. Yes. <laughs> you mean you can be happy with not a lot of material things? That's right. You know, so just the security of the family and just simple things like, you know, having a meal to to have a day was more than enough for us, you know. And really, really, you know, times of that were very fulfilling, challenging, you know, but at the same time, a very, very happy childhood. Well, that's good to keep in mind that we can be happy without the material things or things far more important. And thank you for pointing that out. Now, let's get back to our American dream. Wow. Talk about building upon that American dream. You have a book that just came out recently. Tell us more about your book. Yeah. So, you know, Steve, for years, particularly as I've spoken at industry conferences and other meetings, which I, which I've done pretty actively, people always, uh, you know, after I spoke, people would, would always say, you know, listen, Andrew, it'd be great if you wrote a book because, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you know, your speech was so encouraging, so inspirational, so motivational. And they said, you know, we, it'd be so nice if you had a book because then you could reach so many more folks. And of course, with my priorities, with the company, with my family, you know, I kept putting it off and, about 15 months ago, after the sale of another bank that I had been a part of, I decided, you know, this was the time to take some time and write a book. And I spent some time thinking about and praying about, you know, what the topic would be. And the, and the things that really spoke to me were, how do we impact the next generation of leaders? You know, I'm 57 years old, and I have quite a bit of time left. But the reality is, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, who are the next generation of business leaders? And are they going to run businesses and treat people with the same values that have helped me have a fulfilling career over the last 30 years? As I began to think about that, I felt like, you know, I wanted to write a book where just from my heart, I could, you know, just lay out Here's something principles. Here's some. Here's a little bit about my background, but here are some simple principles that can help you focus on having a fulfilling, purpose-filled life. You know, that's what the basis for the book was to have an impact on young leaders and young business folks as they develop their reputation and their career 
just to give them some insights into what they could focus on that would help them be successful. Because I found that a lot of 20-something, 30-something, and early 40-something, you know, are are seeking purpose in their life, in their careers. Uh, They're wondering how to do it. They're making excuses why they can't focus on something, stick to something. They're looking for immediate gratification, et cetera. And this book focuses on just helping them see that you do need to put work into it. You need to have a purpose that's pure in terms of what you're doing. If you're solely focused on making more money, that's not going to be fulfilling. But but if you're focused on growing your career to impact people and in the process, you create wealth for yourself, that's more fulfilling, you know. So I kind of that, that was the motivation for the book to really have an impact on people. And so far, the feedback has been very, very good from a number of people that have read it. Just to say, you know, I love that principle on focus or I love that principle about being bold. So it's been fun, you know. The other part of this was there's been so much negativity about the topic of immigration. And I don't address the topic of immigration directly here, but what I wanted to point out to people is, you know, I am an immigrant that came to this country and, you know, I came here legally and, and you know, the country has opened up its doors to allow me to do whatever I want. The things that I've accomplished here in terms of, you know, my banking career, the ability to grow companies, to ability to do mergers and acquisitions, take companies public has been a privilege. And it's not something that you can do in any country, but our nation allows us to be whoever we want to be as long as we put hard work into it, you know. So so those were the two really driving forces impacting the next generation of business leaders and secondly, showing an appreciation for the American dream and the American opportunity, which is very, very alive. Well, that is fabulous. And let's jump into the book here. The subtitle, yeah. by the way, is Cultivating a Life of Success, Joy, and Purpose. Well, right on. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's the right focus, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty <laughs> yes, well hits yeah. it. And what are some of the favorite principles or ideas for you from this book? So, you know, one of those uh, that I'd like people to walk there's a number of them, but I'll just touch on a couple. One of those is in the book I talk about taking advantage of every opportunity that comes your way because you don't know what that training is preparing you for, you know? And I'll use again the cow dung example, you know, the seeds of entrepreneurism were embedded in me at a young age where when my family was involved in that, not knowing that it would come into play, you know, later in life, you know? A second thing is, I've had a number of different jobs and roles, and every one of them I've approached as an opportunity to excel in, and therefore people, you know, you learn from that and you take that on into the next role and the next opportunity. My favorite chapter is the one on focus because a lot of people today really struggle with the being able to be focused, you know, and part of it is obviously with today's social media and technology environment, it's very easy to get carried away with from things. One of the things that I really enjoyed as I was documenting the focus piece is just, you know, so much of this, you know, if you learn to just channel your energies into something that has purpose, 
and it's something that you're passionate about and just focus on that and not deviate from that as things come at you. Because too many times today, business leaders, what's happening is this is a good strategy today. And then six months later, somebody else says there's another strategy. And so there isn't a focused effort on what your purpose is and what you're trying to accomplish. And in that, that's my favorite chapter is sharing with our readers, you know, the powerful effect of being focused and giving it time to excel. Good. And, and while you're on focus, I noticed mm-hmm. that you talked about eliminating distractions. What have you found mm-hmm. the best way to do that? Because that's a big part of focus. Right. It really is, you know, and I think the first thing is to be intentionally intentional about it and to be aware of the distractions, you know. And uh, one of the things, I'll give you an example, you know. You know, in my career, I meet a lot of people. We have a bank now called Link Bank, and, you know, I meet a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I want to impact people positively. Our company's philosophy is to impact people positively. That means, you know, you give people the attention and, and, and you engage with people and you invest in people. But at the same time, you realize, too, that people that can't help you move your purpose forward, you need to find a way to limit your time with those individuals. So meaning those that can help you move your purpose forward are the ones that you want to spend time with. Those that can't, you treat them well, you treat them with humility, et cetera, but don't get carried away with it if it doesn't channel your energies into achieving your purpose, you know? So that's one thing. You know, time limits on email, et cetera. You know, one of the most difficult things today is that everybody wants to be connected all the time, you know, checking their text message, checking their email, et cetera. I I believe it's better to put time aside, you know, and, and be focused on saying, you know, during this time, I'm going to focus on getting this done and I'm putting the phone away putting it on silent, whatever it is, you know. Another one is I'm a big sports fan. With the technology that's available today, you know, I can go look at sports scores, and before I know it, it's two hours later, and I'm still looking at sports stories (laughs) and scores. You know, so what I do is I say to myself, look, you have half an hour a day, and it's usually in the evenings where you can go catch up on your sports news because you love that. But don't distract yourself by looking at those scores during the day because, you know, you do become less focused then, you know. so That's yeah. great. Good advice. And that's just one of these uh, principles. The book's really broken into two parts. Part one is the American dream formula, which is awesome, focus, persistence, and faith. And then part two, principles for enduring success. And right. he's actually, Andrew has listed a, a number, six, seven, or eight, some, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range. Right. One of those right. happens to do with service, being a yeah. servant leader. And I love that whole mm-hmm. perspective and idea. So how do we learn to serve others when we live in a world where everyone wants to be served? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know. That is one of the big issues we're dealing with today. You're absolutely right. Everybody wants to be served, and they want to be served quickly. And 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 the, the interesting <laughs> thing is, you know, 
I've found in my career that, you know, if you look in one of the pages in the book, I talk about the inverted pyramid, you know, and the bottom line there is, you know, it's got to start with what I consider a pure purpose, you know, and my purpose has always been, you know, I want to be willing to serve people before desiring to be served. And that's always been the purpose. And that purpose has been driven around. If you want to impact people's lives positively, you need to be willing to serve them, you know. And and in order to serve them, you need to be willing to make sacrifices, you know. And And I've found as a leader, I've made sacrifices in terms of time and resources where I've poured into people and made sacrifices to pour into them. And that has led to longtime loyal employees, you know. The whole process here is really more about the other's need and showing a certain level of empathy, et cetera, because when you invest in serving others and winning their heart, it's amazing the productivity levels, how they naturally raise the bar, and how you can accomplish so much more with a loyal group of people because it all started with your willing to have a serving heart, you know what I mean? Not just from the beginning, but also on an ongoing basis. It's a powerful tool that we don't realize. You know, the paradigm has shifted to where people want to be engaged. And one way to engage them is to really have a humble, humility-filled approach that lets people know that you are willing to serve them and invest in them because in the long run, that comes back to benefit you and the purpose that you have for your life, you know. Ah, so well described. What a great focus. And yeah. it does make a big yeah. difference, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Trust is so fundamental to building vibrant, effective, positive cultures. And and when you have that, you're m- far more effective together than you might be alone in what you can accomplish. Mm-hmm. Team is so powerful. Absolutely. and Yeah, and so this is a big deal that you're talking about. Way to go. Absolutely. You know, so. And you know it's 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 been around forever, you know, and it's just that you know I think somewhere along the way we've lost our way, and you know when you look around some of the greatest leaders, leaders that had a humble spirit, a serving heart, that have been iconic leaders, you know. Absolutely. Oh, what a great example! Our listeners are most of our listeners, anyhow, are quite aware about the background of the story of becoming your best and. One of my Mm -hmm. early companies, we we had many employees and managers who would come and say, well, how can I be among the top managers? And this led me to really do research that ended up taking over 40 years. And and it's interesting Mm -hmm. because as I've been thinking and listening to Andrew Samuel about his book, Our American Dream, what I found is I went all over and interviewed top leaders from around the world, people that were quite successful, what we observed Mm. is that there were certain things that they did that allowed them to be among the top performers, producers. And Mm -hmm. here's what I found is that what Samuel's talking about in this book and what he's done throughout his life are among the 12 principles of highly successful people and leaders. (laughs) So way to go. I mean, this has been so fun to just look at this. And this is a book that helps you continue to be familiar with those type of things. And the result is so predictable, isn't it, Andrew? Absolutely. It is very predictable, you know. 
You know, when you have focus and persistence and faith, as you've outlined, when you're honest and authentic, these are all the principles that Andrew has talked about. I love the meaning of family that he talks about. He's just referred to focus. Maybe one more before we get to the end of our podcast, and I'm always amazed how fast time goes, but you talk about boldness. Do you mind just talking Mm -hmm. about that, and how does that play out in our success? Why is it important? That is an important piece because some, you know, more than, you know, nobody prepares us to be bold, you know. Now, bold does not mean being, you know, just foolish and foolhardy. (laughs) What it means is to do your research and but not be paralyzed by not making bold steps, you know. And an example that comes to mind here is, you know, when you look at your career, it's it's okay to make those bold steps and not be paralyzed, not wanting to make a decision in your life. Sometimes you've got to take that calculated risk. I'll give you an example. You know, recently, in, in the last five years, you know, I was chairman and CEO of a bank. It was a great job. I, you know, paid a, a lot of money. It created a lot of wealth for my family. And everybody thought, Andrew, you're going to do this forever. This is what you ought to do. But I felt like the company as a whole was not delivering on the purpose. And therefore, I didn't feel fulfilled in the role. So I just said to the board, I said, listen, I'm done. I don't feel this is where I need to be. This is where I'm called. And I took a bold step in leaving what I would consider, to give you an idea, an $18 billion company to move down to run a $190 million company. It was a bold step. There were a lot of people who said, Andrew, you got to be the dumbest guy we know ah. to give up everything <laughs> and go do this. But I, but I did it because I knew that the purpose that drives my life and my fulfillment was here. It was a calculated decision. And when I went down there, we grew that company. We grew it exponentially in three years with certain values, et cetera. And at the end of the day, you know, I was better off financially for making that transition than not making that transition. But in the process, I was more engaged. I felt more fulfilled, you know, and, but I could have easily said, I've got a really nice job here and I'm just going to stay, but I would have never been fulfilled the way I was by leaving that to go to another job that was a much smaller bank. So rather than focusing on the prestige and the ego of running a larger company, I focused on who am I, you know, and what is my purpose? And by taking that step, it was a bold step, but it was one that was important. Now, I can name, you know, five or six different times in my career where I've done that. And that's why I would encourage folks in business to to take calculated, bold steps and not be afraid of them because, you know, there's awful lot of benefit in that if you are willing to be bold in your thought process and dream big, you know, don't limit yourself, you know, and, and as I've always said, you know, if you have a pure purpose and you're bold, you will be fulfilled and you'll be very successful at that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So have a clear vision. What is your purpose? And then be bold about your goals and then take the steps to achieve them. Right. Absolutely. Oh, good going. Well, that's an inspiration. Well, it's been so fun having you on this uh, podcast show today. 
tell us how people can find out about what you're doing. The book is available on Amazon, on Kindle, as well as paperback. And you can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And I hope you'll find inspiration in just taking time to read the book. Well, wonderful. Well, that's Andrew Samuel. And that's what you look for. Thank you, Andrew, for being part of this show today. And it's been such a really fun and productive visit. Compliments to you on being this skinny little boy who's done so well and, and building upon the American dream. Great going. Thank you, Steve. And we wish you, our listeners, all the best as you're making a difference in the world every single day. This is Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification, or personal coaching, it would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today.